If you've got your Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 15. For the last month and a half, been talking about who's your one. I'm going to keep talking about who's your one. You're going to hear it all next year. You're going to keep hearing it. Because I think it's important for us as God's people to engage in sharing about the Savior we know. And in order to do that, we need to have a target identified. And sometimes the Lord just drops people into our lives and into our conversations. And then there are other times when we have to be very intentional about seeking people out and pursuing those conversations with them. And so I'm going to continue to emphasize this because, well, I'm just going to be honest with you, it's something that excites me. And I want to ask you this morning, what excites you? I watch people and I, I, you can tell what it is. I mean, whenever somebody hits that sweet spot in their life, you can see it. Their faces light up. Their eyes begin to twinkle. You see their teeth because they're smiling so big. Their tone of voice changes. They get excited about something. And, you know, it might be anything. Some people, that happens when you start talking to them about sports or their favorite sports team. Or, or for some people, it's talking about their children or their grandchildren. For some, it's a hobby that they love and they've invested lots of time and energy and resources into we all have things we get excited about I love talking to people who get excited about Jesus I I love it whenever we start to have those conversations and you just see it come all over them they want to tell you about what Jesus has done in their lives they want to tell you about what they're learning about the Lord as they spend time with him and in his word I love being around people who get excited about sharing Jesus, telling others about what Jesus has done in their lives and what he can do in the lives of others who will trust him and come to him in faith. I'm convinced that talking about Jesus and seeing what he does in lives that are surrendered to him is something worth getting excited about. Now, this morning, we're going to look in Luke chapter 15 And if you've turned in your Bible there, you're saying, oh, I know this. Okay, good. I hope you do. I think I spent about three or four weeks preaching through this chapter a year and a half or two years ago. Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three stories about common things. And in case you have forgotten, let me refresh your memory. Three stories about common things. But the emphasis is on lost things. First, he talks about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep. And, and it came to the end of the day, and he, he was doing his, his nose count as they came through the gate into the sheepfold. And he discovered he had 99. One of his sheep had gotten lost. And the Lord said that that shepherd left the 90 and 9 and went out searching for the one until he found it. The second story is about a woman who had 10 silver coins. Somewhere, somehow, she lost one of those coins in her home. And and we're told that she turned on the light. She lit the lamps and she started cleaning. You ladies can understand. I mean, she turned the house upside down, inside out. She was looking everywhere. And finally, she found that lost coin and put it back with the others. Now, third story is the one most of us probably know the best. 
It's about a man who had two sons. Sons don't always make good choices, going back to what I was telling the children. The younger son demanded that his father would give to him what would be his when his father died. And he took that inheritance and he went and lived away from home, partied it up, wasted it all, and found himself dead broke. The father watched every day. He kept looking. He kept waiting. He kept watching, hoping against hope. This is what parents do. That one day his child would come home. Oh, you know the story. One day he looked and there was his son coming up the road. And he ran to him and hugged him and restored him into the family. You know, I was thinking about those three stories. And I was reading in Luke chapter 15 and There was something that caught my attention. That's what I want us to focus on today. If you've got your Bible open to Luke chapter 15, we're going to look at three verses. But if you notice, they're not in consecutive order. They're scattered all throughout the chapter. You might be saying, what in the world is he doing? Well, I want you to see the responses that Jesus described Of what happens when lost things are found and restored to their rightful place, their rightful owner. So if you've got your Bible open there, I'm going to invite you, if you can, Will, to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. We're just going to look at these three verses. I'll I'll coach you through it. Find verse 7. This is the end of the first story about that lost sheep. And the sheep was found, and the shepherd brings him back and restores him to the fold. And in verse 7, Jesus said this, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And then Jesus moved into his second story about that lost coin. And in verse 10, at the end of that story, when the woman had found the coin and and, and put it back into its proper place with the other coins, he says in verse 10, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then Jesus began that lengthy story about the man with two sons. And the last verse of the chapter is verse 32, where he closes the story by saying this, we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. My friends, when that which is lost is found and restored to the owner, it's worth celebrating. And it is certainly worth getting excited about. Would you pray with me? Father, I, I thank you this morning for your word. And I thank you for the truth contained in it. I know that this morning's sermon is a little different perhaps than what people are used to. But I just pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to the truth. That you would show us the need that we have in our hearts and in our lives to find joy over the things that bring joy to you. Father, if there's someone here today who would look into the light of your face and say, I'm lost, 
I'm separated. I'm not where I ought to be. I'm, I'm not in the control of the one that I should belong to. I pray that today they would surrender themselves to you. Father, teach us your way. Teach us your truth. And give us a heart to follow you with all that we have and all that we are. For we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Why is it so important for things that are lost to be found? Just ask you a question. Have any of you ever lost anything that you started searching for? Turned your house upside down for? Went and looked under the seats in your vehicle for? Dumped your closet out because you knew it had to be there somewhere? Maybe got into your dresser or your chest of drawers and started dumping them onto the bed so that you could pilfer through everything to find what was lost. Whenever something of value in our lives goes missing, we're aware of it. And suddenly we find ourselves digging around trying to find it because it's important to us. Well, folks, this is what it's about. What's important to us? When Jesus told these stories, he was talking about what's important to God. And that's what I want us to think about and focus on. Because God looks at mankind and here's the truth of the matter. All of us come into this world separated from God, lost in sin, carrying the sin of Adam in our lives. We've never had to teach our children how to do wrong. We've never had to teach our children how to sin. They just do it. They're naturals. We laugh at our children about that, but folks, they got it from us. We're naturals at it. That's the reason God's Word says that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not even one. We're lost. So why is it so important that lost things be found? Well, let's spend our time thinking about that, shall we? It's because of the value of every human soul. I mean, God has given you explicit value. Some of you probably came into this room saying this morning, I'm nobody. I really don't matter. I mean, my husband loves me. My wife loves me. My dog might even love me. But, but the reality is I don't count for very much. Oh, my friend, I want you to understand something this morning. God loves you with a love and a passion that you can't even begin to comprehend. He does, and he values your soul. This is why Jesus, in his own teachings, in Mark chapter 8, verse 36, what good is it? What good is it if a man can gain the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? He said, your soul is the most important thing. I don't care if you gather all the wealth of the world. I don't care if you have all the fame of the world. I don't care if you possess all the stuff. Here's the reality. Your soul is the most important thing there is. We've misplaced this priority in our modern culture. Everyone seems to be in a mad rush to possess things, stuff that they can't hold on to, stuff that they can't keep, stuff that's not going to last into eternity. Folks are concerned with stuff. They're concerned with people knowing who they are, fame and position and power. All of those things are fleeting. How many of you all have heard the statement, well, he got his 15 minutes of fame? You heard that? 
Do you know why people say that? Because fame is fleeting. In this world in which we live, even if you get your 15 minutes of fame, you will quickly be forgotten. You stroll onto the stage of the world and you stroll off. And very many of those people who do that, they're gone. We pursue stuff, position, power, fame, recognition. People are driven to try to to build their retirement portfolios. (laughs) Volatility, folks, that's what the market's all about. Always has been, always will be. Do you know why? Because the wealth of this world is driven by every shift of political wind, and that's never going to change. So if you're worried about that stuff, you're going to give yourself ulcers and die miserable. The reality is when it comes to our children and raising our children, it's not about how much we can give them in material things. It's not about how much stuff we can give them or or anything. The reality is the best thing we can give our children is to instill character in them and teach them about a God who loves them so much that he gave his own son in exchange for them. Every human soul has value. The lost world we live in, the lost world we're part of, is is rushing to destruction. The book of Psalms. The psalmist wrote some words. I was reading them the other day, and I thought, man, that's so appropriate for today. I hear people crying out with this same cry. In Psalm 142, verse 4, where he said, For there is no one who regards me. There is no escape for me. No one cares for my soul. There are so many lonely, hurting, lost, desperate people who feel that no one cares. And friends, we have the greatest news on the face of the earth. No one should cross our path and leave feeling like that. The title deed to all of the earth's stuff is not enough to compensate for the loss of a soul. Consider all the dollars, the hours, the time, the energy, the effort that is involved in fitness, in dressing up, in fixing up, in worrying about appearances and where we live and what we drive and what we wear, and then compare that with the amount of energy that's invested in sharing Jesus. And I'm just going to tell you, our values are skewed. Why is it so important? For that which is lost to be found. I think you have to begin with the value of every human soul. God values the soul of every person. That's the reason he sent his son. That's the reason Jesus lived a perfect life and yet still was willing to die a sinner's death on a cross. Was to pay the price for us. Why is it important for things that are lost to be found? It's important because of the quickness with which time passes. Now, I'm just going to make a statement here. Now, some of y'all are going to get, stay with me on this, and some of you are going to be trying to catch up to me, but it, it, I just want you to hear this, okay? I don't know exactly how it happens, but everyone reaches a place where we understand this. Time accelerates. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I feel like I ought to still be sitting over in that corner. But alas, that was 40 years ago. 
Time accelerates. I'm not sure when it happens. I don't know if it happens the same for everyone, but eventually we all come to that moment in our lives when we realize how quickly time is getting away from us. We're getting ready to head into the holiday season. How on earth did that happen? I just put a new desk calendar on my desktop that said January 2019. And already we're heading into the holidays. That can't be. Where did the time go? What happened? Did we accomplish everything we needed to this year? Did we get done all of the things that we had on our to-do list, our, our list of goals? What's been left undone? Have we talked to everyone we needed to talk to? Who have we bypassed that needed to hear a message from the Lord this year? Did you see how much our children have grown up in the past year? I'm sorry, but that little guy that was standing in the center, he's still supposed to be in diapers. It gets away from us. I could deal with them growing up if I didn't see an old man look back at me from the mirror every morning. They're growing up, we're aging, time is going by, but you know, here's the thing that's so frightening about it, and it's not really frightening, but it's the reality, and maybe it is scary if you waste your time, but, but understand something, every moment that's passed is gone forever. You can't get it back. There aren't any do-overs. If an opportunity is there and you let it go by, it's gone. And I, I looked at this past year and I wondered how many opportunities have been lost how many saints have been taken from the ranks of the body of Christ and have graduated into glory? And how many souls have slipped away into eternity without anyone ever having taken the time to share with them about a Savior who loves them and died to save them? Oh, listen, time gets by fast. And I always thought my dad was kind of nuts. When he would say to me, the older I get, the faster it goes. I thought that was crazy because I watched him and the older he got, the slower he went. <laughs> now I am my dad. The older I get, the slower I go, but the faster it seems that time is getting away from me. Why is it so important that lost things be found? It's because of the quickness with which time passes. It, it gets away from us. But we can't stop there. It, it's also important because Jesus is coming again. Now, I know there are a lot of people who say, well, there he goes again. I, I don't agree with his understanding. of the, It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter with, whether you agree with me on all of the doctrinal fine points of when and how and what and what's involved. Here's the reality. It's going to happen. The book has already said it's going to happen, and this is God's Word. It is inspired, it is inerrant, it is infallible. It says that Jesus is coming again. So whether you agree or don't agree, doesn't matter. God said it. You're wrong. End of story. And every day His return draws closer. Think about it in this context. You're sitting here with me in this room this morning. His return is closer right now than it has ever been before. 
And I know people say, well, folks have been saying that forever. Oh, yeah, but the signs of his coming are becoming more and more evident. You read about what he said in the Gospel of Matthew about what the world was going to look like and feel like and sound like and be like before he came. And we're getting there, folks. We are running at it headlong. The fulfillment of scriptural prophecy has happened and has happened and has happened to the point that we're down to one thing now. I'm not going to go into that this morning, but I'm just telling you, everything that has been foretold has occurred except for one event. And when that happens, it's over. Now, his coming ought to excite us, whether we agree on all the fine points or not. But here's the other side of it. As excited as I get about talking about Jesus coming, I'm excited. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for eternity. But it makes me fearful for the lost. It ought to frighten us for those who have never met Jesus Christ. Because at His coming, the opportunity to share the gospel for us is closed. The opportunity for many of them to hear the gospel may be past and done. We shouldn't be wasting our time, folks. I agree with Paul. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. You go further over into the book of Romans, the letter of, to, to the Romans that Paul wrote in chapter 10. He says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how, how can they call on one that they've not believed in? And how can they believe in one they've never heard of? And how can they hear unless someone preaches to them? The reality is somebody has got to share the good news. The time is passing quickly. The opportunities are getting fewer and fewer. You say, well, I don't, it seems to me like I have more and more opportunities. You might have. But the reality is they're getting fewer and fewer because you're not going to keep going when it all comes to an end. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 9, as long as it's day, we must do the works of the one who sent me because the night's coming when no one can work. Why is it important for lost things to be found? It's because of the value of the human soul. It's because of the quickness that time passes by us. It's because Jesus is coming again. But there's one more thing I want to tell you before I stop. It's important for the lost to be found because of the two eternal realities. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I'll save you some time, and let me break the suspense. Heaven and hell, those are the two eternal realities. They do exist. God said so. There are no other options. Heaven, hell. Now, listen, everybody wants to hear about and believe in heaven. Even, even people who don't believe in God want to talk to me about eternity in heaven. Kind of confusing to me because, well, you know, God and heaven kind of go together. But here's the reality as I, I know it from the Word of God. Believers in Jesus Christ, those who have surrendered their lives to Him in repentance and faith, have been born again. And when they are born again, they are guaranteed that whenever this life comes to its end, whatever that might be, that they are going to dwell in heaven with God eternally. 
It's a wonderful truth. It's a great truth to hold on to whenever you're struggling in life, whenever things aren't going the way you want them to, whenever everything seems like it's caving in on top of you. It is so nice to know that no matter how bad it might be here, this is not all there is. The Word of God is very clear. To be present in this body is to be absent from the Lord. But to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Whenever we lay this body down, we're going to be with Him, those of us who belong to Him. We're going to be with Jesus. Paul got it. He said, look, for me, to die is gain. I'm ready to put this nonsense down and go there. Where is there? We're going to join Jesus in the place that He has gone to prepare for us. It's not some place that's just kind of going to happen. No. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself so that where I am, there you may be also. What a marvelous promise. But you know, even people that want to talk to me about heaven and want to know about heaven, don't want to know about hell. But I want you to understand something this morning, brothers and sisters. Hell is equally real. I had a fellow tell me just a few weeks ago, well, I don't believe in hell. I almost bit my tongue off. I mean, how do you respond to that? Call him a moron? That's not the answer. What I wound up telling him was this, it really doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It's real. I can stand next to the highway and say, I don't believe in Mack trucks. But you know what? They go up and down that highway. And if I step in front of one of them and say, I don't believe, I don't believe, I don't believe, I don't believe. It's not going to change the outcome. It's real. And when it hits me, I will know it is real for just about that long. I want you to understand something. Those who say of hell, well, I don't believe in hell. I don't think it's real. They're going to find out it's real. But when they do, it's not going to be for that long. It's going to be for eternity. Time without end. People don't ask me, what's hell like? I want to know where I'm going to be. I want to know if I, I, how do I deal with this? I'm going to tell you right now, don't deal with it. Get out of it. You don't know what hell is like? Unquenchable fire. The outer darkness. A place where the worm never dies. A place of agony and torment. A place where people would give anything for a simple, single drop of water to be placed on their tongue. Do you know Jesus said more about hell than he did about heaven in his teaching? Do you know why he did that? Because he wanted people to understand it is real and it is not where you want to be. And I understand that there are those who sing songs about being on a highway to hell. Can I just tell you something? If you're on a highway to hell, get off. You don't want that destination. It's not where you want to be. Hell is not desirable. Hell is not to be taken lightly. Hell is not to be joked about. That's why Jesus went to such great lengths in Luke 15 to describe the searching for the lost the recovery and the restoration, and then 
the celebration that breaks loose when the lost are found and returned to their rightful place and their rightful owner. So I don't understand how that applies to me. Let me make this simple as I can, all right? God created you. Scripture says you are wonderfully and fearfully made. It says he knew you before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. He told the prophet, he said, I called you before you were born. See, he has a plan. He has a purpose. He has an intention for your life. He knows that in your sinful condition, you'll never fulfill that plan. And so he made a way for you to be removed from your sinful condition and redeemed into a right relationship with him. That's through his son, Jesus Christ. Whenever you come into that relationship, then the plan begins to unfold before you. Let me tell you something. When that plan is unfolding and you find yourself back in the presence of the Father, you're restored to your rightful place in the family of God and the kingdom of God. I want you to hear again what happens. So, if you got your Bible open, that's awesome. If you don't, just look ahead of you. But let me take you there. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. If you're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with your Heavenly Father, I want, you, I want you to know something. You can set off a party in heaven this morning. If you'll repent, if you'll confess your sin and turn from it and pursue Christ with all of your heart, I'm telling you this morning, there is going to be a celebration break out in heaven. It doesn't matter what anybody down here thinks. I'm telling you, when the party's going on in heaven, that's the right thing. That's the righteous thing. That's the part we all want to be part of. Verse 10, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I had somebody ask me one time, so how is it that the angels get all excited about somebody being saved whenever, whenever they don't understand what salvation is? It doesn't say the angels got excited. It says that there will be rejoicing in the presence of the angels in heaven where they are ministering to the Lord, honoring Him. All of the saints who have gone before are there. They are celebrating what they see happening. Our Father is there. He is celebrating. Can you imagine it? I love baseball. Anybody like baseball? Yeah, a few of you do. Okay, I love baseball. I grew up playing baseball. My dad loved baseball. I got that from him. I'll never forget. I'll never forget playing in state tournament. Only time it ever happened in my life in state tournament game, a big game. Kid hung a curveball. And I crushed it. I crushed it. And by the time I came around first base, I could hear my dad yelling in the bleachers. I could hear him crowing and cackling and laughing. 
and I came around third, and it just seemed like it was getting louder and louder, and it probably was because he was sitting right behind home plate because he always wanted to heckle the umpires. And I, and I was coming right toward him, and it was getting louder and louder. But I remember when I crossed home plate and my foot touched that plate, I remember hearing my dad say, That's my boy! Friend, I want to tell you something. You come to faith in Jesus Christ. And it's going to set off a celebration in heaven in the presence of the angels. And I will guarantee you, you're going to hear the voice of the Father saying, that one's mine. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Go on to verse 32. Look at what it says. We had to celebrate. You don't have an option. We had to. That's what it's like in heaven. You don't get an option. There's no choice to it. We had to celebrate and be glad. Why? Because this brother of yours, get that, your brother, there's this family dynamic thing happening here. This brother of yours was dead and is alive again. That's the reason the apostle Paul says you were dead in your sins and trespasses, but he has made you alive in Christ Jesus. He was lost and is found. Are you dead? Are you dead here this morning? Oh, please don't stay that way. There is a Father who loves you and He offers you life abundant and eternal. Are you lost? Come home. He's watching. He's waiting. He wants you to come and be with him. He, he doesn't want you to be separated from him. Come to him. You know, I, I just find myself, I guess, looking at this and I, I wonder, have we considered the possibility that we can be part of setting off a celebration in heaven? We can. Identify those people in your life that you care about, that you love, that you know need a relationship with Jesus. Start praying for them every day, looking for the opportunities to share Jesus with them whenever and wherever and however you can. And then just sit and watch the Holy Spirit do what only He can do. And you will be amazed and there will be a celebration going on in heaven. I don't know how all of this makes you feel, but I want to tell you something. I think this is something to get excited about. And my friend, if we can't get excited about this, we'll never be excited about anything. If we're never going to be excited about anything, we're just going to come in here and go through the motions. I'm out. I'm out. Because I think there's more to life I think there's more to the kingdom of God. And I think there's more to living than just going through motions. There are people who are lost. There's a father who wants them. And he's sending us. So church family, are you ready to get excited about what God's going to do? Let's be a part of it. Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, we're going to stand together and sing a song of invitation, of commitment. Not to stretch the service out, not to make it longer, simply this. I want to give you the opportunity to respond. 
to what you've heard. Not, not from me, but from the Word of God. Maybe the Spirit of God is speaking to you. I want you to respond to Him. And it may be that you're here this morning in this room and you're saying, you know what, I need a relationship with Jesus. I've never, I have never committed to him. I've never died. Listen, if you'll come this morning and take me by the hand and say, Pastor, I want that relationship. I will not embarrass you. I will not put you on the spot. But I'd love to make sure with you. I'd love to share with you from the word of God how you can become a child of God. If you've already done that, I want to ask you, have you taken the next steps? Have you followed him in baptism? Have you united with the body of Christ? Have you become a part of the family of God? Do you need to do that? Maybe you've been drifting around looking for a church home and God has led you to this place and you keep coming through these doors. You keep coming to where. When are you going to connect to the body? When are you going to engage and be a part of it? When are you going to make this home? Maybe the Father's speaking this morning. Maybe He's calling you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, who's your one? Have you identified them? Are you praying for them? Are you looking for an opportunity to share with them? If you'd say to me, I haven't, I haven't found anybody, okay. Let's keep praying. Let's ask God to put somebody on your heart. And let's see what God might do. I don't know anything that's worth getting excited about more than sharing Jesus. This morning, I'd like to share him with you. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Father, I have to say this this morning. Thank you for loving me. When I was dead in my sins, when I was separated from you, when I was lost and far away, you didn't give up on me. You kept calling, you kept drawing, you drew me. You restored me to you. You've done that for so many individuals in this room this morning. We, we share that testimony in common. Oh, it's happened in different ways at different times, but as different as they all are, they're the same. You found us when we were lost. You brought us home. You made us part of your family. Father, in this room this morning, there are probably some who are lost, separated from you. You're searching for them. You're calling out for them. You've turned on the lights. You're looking. You're watching. You're waiting. Father, perhaps this morning your spirit's speaking to them. I pray, draw them to yourself. Lord, don't let us forget that you think each one is valuable. Don't let us forget that time is running out, that our Lord's coming in. Don't let us forget that heaven and hell are real. And because of that reality, people need to hear about Jesus. Father, I pray this morning that you would do whatever you desire in each life. If there are decisions that need to be made, shared publicly, if there are those that you need, need to come and be a part of this church family, whatever it is that you're doing, whatever it is you need to do, do it. And we'll give you the praise and the glory. We will celebrate here as you celebrate in heaven. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.